One of the nice things about having your daughter lead worship is that in her prayer before the sermon, she introduces your topic, right? Uh, She's been around me for a long time. Thank you, sweetie. And not only is Angela here, but our son and his family and Angela and her family are all, all of our grandkids are in the house today, right here. (laughs) Woohoo! And and their parents, right? (laughs) And their parents. So um, it's spring break and we got a few people away, but we have a lot of good people here, don't we? And I think we kind of have the quality people here today. So don't tell the ones who missed it, but uh, we're in this three-part series. Uh, I've been praying about, you know, what is, the Lo- what is the word of the Lord for Davis and Free Methodist Church? You know, if I was just trying and sense the, the Spirit of God leading us as a church family, and I think it would look like trust. You can trust God with your stuff. Uh, try Him, test Him, trust Him, and He will bless you. And I think it looks like serve. Christ, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. And so here in this season leading up to Easter, what a better way to think about our Lord than to realize He served and we serve in His name. And then next week, uh, the word is share. Now when you think about the word serve... I think about servant, a person whose life is committed to serving. And if you look at the New Testament, it's kind of a a powerful lesson that in almost every one of the New Testament letters, when the writer introduces himself, he says, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 1. I, Peter, a servant of the Lord. Um, Jude, it only has one chapter. The very first verse says, Jude, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. James, in his short letter, all about practical, you know, getting our hands dirty for God. His first verse is, James, a servant of the Lord. Where did they get that idea? The right answer in church is almost always, in this case, it is the right answer, right? Uh, These guys all got their marching orders from their leader, and their leader is Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm a servant. I didn't come to serve. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And so as followers of Christ, that is the Lord's word to us as a church. Serve. Serve in the name of Christ. Find ways to demonstrate the love of Jesus in practical ways um, every way we can, in every time we can, every opportunity that we can. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are. And so today I'd like us to just um, look into, lean into this word from God. I think one of the reasons that it's so powerful for me is uh, I think about the common understanding of of a church community, a church family. I think most commonly in the 21st century in North America, the church family is seen kind of as an institution. Often when we think of that word, in fact, we think of the place. Now, I don't know about you, but I am thankful 
very thankful to the Lord for the beautiful place he's given us to worship. This is a blessing from God. I keep hearing the stories of the journey of Davison Free Methodist Church and you know how back in the day, and those of you who were here know that it burned down in 1979 and was rebuilt by our church family. And um, in the first service, I was talking about the food pantry and it's downstairs and uh, the storage for the food. And there was a new family here and they said, after church, they said, we want to go see the, the food pantry. I said, well, you might need a guide because, uh, you know, you feel free, but it takes a little bit twist and turn. You go down these stairs and turn this corner because they said the basement is like the original part. Right, Gary? Gary and I had lunch this week and he was telling me some of this story. So I'm like, okay, that helps me to orient myself to this building. And then was it five, six years ago that we, five years ago that we renovated and expanded and the Lord blessed our church with the sale of the Menards property, which I remind the manager of Menards every time we talk, we sold you guys that land and the Lord blessed us and we were able to renovate and build this beautiful facility debt-free. Yay, God. You know, yay, God. (laughs) Which just means we have more money to put into ministry, right? Right? (laughs) Well, anyway, we'll get there. (laughs) So, so the Lord is, so, but the Davison Free Methodist is not a building. Right? As beautiful and thankful as we are for this building, Davison Free Methodist is a people. I was listening to Andy Stanley. Uh, Andy is the son of uh, Charles Stanley. He leads a great, Andy leads a great church in uh, the north suburbs of Atlanta. And he was talking about that verse we've all heard from uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Uh, I believe it's verse 16 where he says, um, he comes right after Jesus is with uh, his guys, you know, the disciples. And they've been out walking and they've been traveling and they're at Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. It's been renamed. It's been just named after who? The Caesar, Caesarea. And so, you know, everyone is caught up in the beautiful, powerful, majestic name of the Caesar. And then Jesus looks at his guys and he says, but who do people say I am? And they say, well, you know, some people say you're Elijah, come back to life. Some people say you're the prophet. Some people say you're John the Baptist. And then Jesus looks them right in the eye and says, who do you say I am? Peter blurts it out, right? Peter, Peter doesn't need an excuse to talk. Uh, And he often doesn't think before he speaks, but this time he gets it right and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, your Messiah. You're God's one and only son. And Jesus says to him, You are right, and you did not discern that by yourself. (laughs) And being translated means you're not that smart. (laughs) You're not that smart. You did not figure that out by yourself, except that the Father showed that to you. And you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now the Catholic tradition says, oh yeah, Jesus was talking specifically about the person of Peter. The Protestant tradition says, well, there was this play on the name Peter and what Jesus was referring to was what Peter said. That 
It's on the rock that Jesus is the son of the living God that he will build his church. In a sense, they're both true. Peter was certainly part of the founding of the church, but what Peter said is the rock on which the church of Jesus Christ is built. But Andy got all excited, not about that word, but about the, the other word at the end. You see, when you get studying the original languages of, of Hebrew and Greek, this being New Testament written in Greek, the word we have in our English Bible as church is really not a very good translation. Now, <laughs> you have to be pretty bold to be able to say, you know, the word we all know and love is the wrong word, right? Well, he's actually right. The word in the Greek is ekklesia. Ekklesia does not refer to a building or a place or even an organization. I know that because back in college, when Nancy and I were at Spring Arbor University, anybody know where that is? Beautiful Spring Arbor, Michigan. Um, We were in a singing group. We were in a band and we went out on the weekends and sang in churches and we needed this kind of hip, cool, 1970s kind of name. So we picked the name Ecclesia. <laughs> Not too hip or cool, but anyway, we tried. And it gave us a chance to talk about the fact that Ecclesia means called out people. And so uh, the truth of the matter is that Jesus said he would build his called out people. Uh, he would build his movement um, when... William Tyndall, a famous historical figure, the first person to translate the New Testament into English. When he got to this verse, he did not choose, I will build my church. He said, I will build my congregation. I will build my assembly. Jesus gave his life for his people. And so that shifts the way we think and the way we act. We are not primarily what we do here on Sunday. This is the huddle. That's the game. And what we do here is is vital and important, and I want to do it well. You know, I want to be able to go home and say, man, God met us, you know. We were encouraged. We were strengthened uh, by by the Spirit of God. But what God did here among us played itself out in the way we live and work and in the community where we are. We served because we met and we gathered and then we scattered. Jesus said he would build his sent, called people. So we serve in his name. Why do we serve? We serve because we're called. In Ephesians chapter 4, we have this powerful verse that, Uh, asks us all to, therefore, I, a prisoner uh, serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. What have you been called to do? You've been called to serve in Jesus' name. And later on in that same chapter, Jesus, or the Apostle Paul said this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Oops, (laughs) sounds like this is my job description right here, okay? The pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service 
so that the body of Christ may be built up. So it's my job to equip the people for works of service. Works of service. We are a people movement and we are called by God to serve in his name. Jesus came up with that idea. He said he was sent not to be served, but to serve. So I'm Glenn and I'm a servant. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm called by him. Now, when someone calls you, what do you need to do? You need to, you need to, you need to come. You need to respond. You need to listen, right? Now, if God is calling us, who is the only person who can respond for you? <laughs> That's right. That would be you, right? I can't respond for you and you can't respond for me. God calls us and it's up to us to say yes or to say no. To say sure, gladly, freely, or to say, well, I'm not so sure. <laughs> no, maybe. The only person who can respond to the call of God on your life is you. And Paul has already told us that we have this spiritual calling and we should live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Um, anybody here have a dog? Anybody here have a cat? Anybody love their dog? Anybody love their cat? <laughs> I don't, we don't have either. You know what I mean? I'm not a big dog or cat person, but we have had, we did have a dog at one time. And, uh, you know, when you call a dog, what happens? Typically, they come, right? And they even, they're even happy about it. They're like... Here I am, what can I do? How, how can I help, right? You call a cat, what happens? <laughs> uh, maybe later, <laughs> if I feel like it, right? <laughs> so you can love your dog or your cat, but when God calls, answer like a dog, okay? When God calls, you know, that's our, that's our glad response to him. Why? Because we love him because he first loved us. I don't know if you got to be here this past Wednesday night. We took an hour and thought about the last day in the life of Christ. We walked through it. Uh, it was powerful. I mean, you cannot look with, with focus and attention at the cross for very long without it sort of getting to you. I mean, it should, right? It should. You think about the thorns and the lash and the nails and the cross and what the cross does to the human body. And six hours in the hot sun until he breathes his last. And, it, you know, when you go through that and your soul is just uh, gripped and then you think, all right, now he asks me after he did that for me, he asked me in response to lay down my life, a life for a life. And he went first. And not only did he die physically, but the scripture tells us that when he died, he took on himself the, the sins of the whole world. Can you imagine before the foundations of the earth, God is Trinity in community, Coming up with this plan, you know, I'm going to create this 
this blue ball that's going to have my fingerprints all over it, far enough from the sun to not overheat, close enough to stay warm, the right kind of atmosphere, the right, the, you know, to sustain life, the right tilt of the axis to give us the seasons, this designer planet of ours. I'm going to put people there. I'm going to breathe into them the breath of life. And, and I'm going to do it so that there will be someone in this amazing universe who can love us back. The whole idea is that we will love them and then in return they will love us, but we're going to give them free will so they can choose because you can't really love if you can't choose. Love is a choice. So in order to, in order to be loved, we, we give them the ability to choose and when we give them the ability to choose, we take the risk they'll choose the wrong. And if they choose the wrong, there will need to be some way to make it right. There will be people who will do terrible things. They will lie to each other. They'll steal from each other. There'll even be some who will kill one another. There'll be people addicted to all kinds of dark habits and thoughts. There'll be people who go to church and think they're so spiritual. There'll be pastors who get up and are full of themselves and somebody will need to pay for them. And Jesus says, I'll go. I'll go, I'll go. Lay it on me. I'll take it. And Jesus takes the sins of the world upon himself and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in his purity and holiness, God turns away as the sins of the whole world are laid on his son. And he takes my sin and he takes your sin and he pays the full, perfect price for all of it. And then he rises from the dead and proves that he is in fact God in the flesh. And then he says, follow me. I gave my life for you, so you give your life back to me. And the way you give your life back to me is being like me, letting me live through you. And who I am is a servant. So that's who you are, you know. If you're a follower of mine, that's who you are. It's not just what you do. It's who you are. So when Andy Stanley's saying, oh man, you know, sometimes we think of church as as this institution, as this facility, as this organization, as our programs, as our ministries. And those are part of the church, but the church is way more than that. Jesus gave his life and promised, promised that he would build his called people who are on a mission, who are in a movement, who are making a difference. And so... About two weeks ago, I got invited by a cluster of churches down in Indiana uh, to come and, and do some speaking and leading and uh, resource them. You know, they needed a missionary from Michigan, right? And we needed to help them out, right? So, so we agreed to come. Nancy and I went. It was pastors and spouses. And I taught three sessions. And when we got to the third session, I talked about us, and how proud I am of the work of the Lord in this place. 
and how we are not just Davis and Free Methodist Church. We are Davis and Free Methodist Nation. We are a people. We are a movement. We are a force for good and for God. And the reason I know that is because uh, it snowed a lot this winter. Did anybody notice? And uh, a couple of people in our church were talking to somebody who was talking to somebody, and they said, you know, the, uh, the enlightened city officials in the city of Davison have decided that uh, if you don't shovel the sidewalk in front of your house, within a certain length of time, we're going to fine you 180 bucks or something like that. So our youth group gets the word and says, well, let's go and shovel some people's sidewalks so they don't get fined. And uh, so they do a few, and then uh, City Hall finds out about it, right? He calls them back and says, well, I got a few more. And what do they say? Yeah, let's do that. And they do a few more, and then... And then even cooler, what happens is it snows again and they already know several people who were shut in and couldn't. And so nobody even asked. They just go do it again. And, uh, and we are a movement, friends. And our young people are setting an example for us. And I'm so proud of them. And then, of course, one of the pieces in that whole thing was what happened with the breakfast for the school bus drivers. Somebody said, well... You know, this has been a tough winter <laughs> to be a school bus driver. Uh, let's, let's put a breakfast on for them and show them that we care. And so we did. And so there were, most of the school bus drivers in Davison Community Schools came. And we got to just feed them some great food and love on them. And, and you know, no strings attached, right? No strings attached. We, we are servants. And then, uh, like I said, in the first service, I was telling people about our food pantry. Uh, once a month, this incredible team, you know, Bob and Charlotte, uh, Dennis lead it, and a bunch of people serve alongside them, and, and we serve 75 or 80 family units every month. And, uh, and it's a challenge, right? They work together, and they leverage their abilities and their time and their effort, and we serve in the name of Christ, and we make a difference. How, how does that work? How did, how did that ever come together? That or anything else, how does it happen? Well, the Bible says two important things. One of them is that in the cause of Christ, in the journey of being a servant, we don't do it alone. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 begins like this. Now, regarding spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. Uh, I, I want you to know that in verse 7 it tells us that to each one is given a different manifestation of the Holy Spirit as God wills for the common good. Now, that, I mean, there's, there's a whole sermon right there, right? Everybody who is a follower of Christ has some kind of divine enablement. They're listed in several places. Leadership, administration, helps, encouragement, mercy. Uh, and so as we think about these lists, we're thinking about, okay, Somehow or other, the Spirit of God is stirring in my life and He gave me a, a gifting and it's not for me. It's not for me. It's for the common good. And I don't even get to decide what it is. God decides because God knows me. And when God puts those gifts in His church and organizes us, he, why does He do that? Because we're a holy people. We are 
a spiritual movement. Of, we are servants of Jesus Christ and he wants us to get it right and to make an impact. And the way to get it right and make an impact is for everybody to get in the game, everybody to use their gift and to use their gift together. And the thing that I've seen is the amazing power of what God does when a variety of people with a variety of giftings team up. Mark's gospel tells the story of a man who was paralyzed. And they needed to get him into the presence of Jesus so that he could be touched and healed. So he had some friends who were trying to get him there, but when they got there, there was such a crowd they couldn't get in the door. You know how many friends there were? Anybody? Four. Thank you, dear. She knows the right answer right here in the front row. All right. There were four friends, right? So the four friends, just think about the, the giftedness of the four friends. I bet there was somebody who said, well, we can't get in the door. Let's tear up the roof. I love that, don't you? I, I hope there's somebody in our church who says, well, we can't do it the typical way, so let's do it the weird way. Let's do it the untypical way. Let's do it the creative way. There's more than one way to do the right thing. Can I get an amen? So let's do it. So there's this creative, crazy, you know, dreamer who says, let's go up and tear off the roof. Now, I bet there was also somebody practical who said, okay, well, then you do this and you do that. You go there and you go there, you know, the administrator, right? Who, and then there was somebody with the gift of help who actually got their hands dirty and made it happen. Somebody took the tiles one at a time and opened that up. And then how many people did it take to lower him down? Four. Can you imagine what would have happened if, if somebody hadn't carried their corner, right? But this not, would have not been a good story, right? We wouldn't be here celebrating it. But there were four, and each did their part, and they lowered him down. And I like to think that when they got all done, there was somebody with the gift of giving who said, okay, let's pay for the roof. Just, just a thought, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it happened, but I know it did happen. And I know it was good, and I know it was the, the work of God. Because a team served together. So as we move forward, one of the things the Lord's been laying on my heart is to not just talk about it, but to do it. So I'd like you to mark down, you have a thing in your program there that says notes. You may not have written anything down except... Um, except answer the call of God like a dog. You probably wrote that down. That was the highlight. But um, I'd like you to write this down. June 8th. June 8th, serve our city. Um, we're going to have one service. Guess what time? 9.30. You'll have to get up a little early. Can you do it? We're going to have one service that day. We're going to come in our work clothes and after church, we're going to go serve in our community in the name of Christ. And uh, we're putting a team together, and we're creating a variety of venues where we can go and serve. And you know what I'd love to hear? People going, are you crazy? You know, what? what, what? You, do, you did what? I, I like to think it's like the guy who tore the roof off the building. We decided we needed to do something to demonstrate our commitment to be servants of Jesus Christ. Not that that's all we do. We do all this stuff all the time, right? And there's stuff that people in our church do that I don't even know about. Praise the Lord for that. But on that particular Sunday, it's sort of like boot camp. 
We all get our hands dirty. We all do it together. We all team up and we watch what God does. So if you're willing to help, I'd like you to take the card that's in the program and just write serve on it. You don't even know what we're going to ask you to do, but you get a choice, by the way. Uh, before this is all done, there will be some choice in the matter. and So we're going to do that and we're going to close with our offering time. Now, has anybody ever heard of David Livingston? Missionary to Africa, Dr. Livingston, I presume, right? Famous story. Well, Dr. Livingston, David Livingston, was a wonderful Christian man. And he went to Africa to serve in the name of Jesus. And the story behind his going to Africa is really quite amazing because um, we don't really know all the details of his call, except that one day when he's a very young boy, he was in church and the pastor preached a powerful message about loving God by serving him with your whole life. And he was young enough and naive enough that he thought he should say yes. Just, I should say yes. But he had no way to say yeah. He had no, no money, he had nothing to do. And he was thinking about that and at the close of the service, the offering came by. And they say that David took the offering plate, put it on the floor, and stood in it. Now, you'll wreck the baskets if you do that today, okay? The ushers have asked me not to have anybody stand in the basket. But wouldn't it be great if in our spirit we stood in the basket? Lord God, your call on David Livingston is the same call on my life and on our church to be servants of Christ. And so we get in the offering basket today. We're all in. Anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Grow us, deepen us, stretch us, use us. In Jesus' name, amen.